Hello and welcome to the 5 for 5 Rock and Metal Podcast. I am your host, Eric, and this is episode 32, Metallica, part one. And for this Metallica part one, um, I'm bringing back my friend, Mike Pavo. Welcome back, Mike. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So this... This is going to be great. We're going to rank the back half of our uh, favorite Metallica albums here. We're going to go 11 through 6, and then in the next episode, we'll go 5 through 1. So um, so how do you remember first getting into Metallica? Because we both got into them kind of like in the 90s. So what do you remember about that? Uh, I remember watching and liking the music videos for Enter Sandman and uh, The Unforgiven, but I don't think I started buying their albums until I think Reload and then I went back and I got uh, the Black Album and then I, over time I got the older stuff too because mm-hmm. uh, it kind of fell into a weird spot where they were heavy but not the kind of heavy music that was around that time when I got into Reload so it was kind of a transition different things to heavier music. Uh, and when I started to heavier music, then I went back and really got into more Metallica. Yeah, I remember like the like the mid-90s too, I, I started hearing songs like, um, you know, King Nothing and Until It Sleeps and Hero of the Day and stuff like that on the radio and, um, and just started to like that. I remember Load being the first stuff I, I kind of started hearing and not even realizing it was the same band as I also heard on the radio with older songs like Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning and, you know, older songs like that. I didn't, I was so naive to it. I didn't even realize these two bands were the same, you know, the same band uh, until I started really getting into it and then bought the Black Album and because of all those great songs and then bought load and then and then like like you you know started going backwards and realizing all the older stuff like from the master puppets album and all that stuff and one and all these great songs that they had earlier where you know but they didn't even really sound the same so um but either way yeah so um so we're gonna rank um like i said 11 through 6 today and also this year um 2023 is the 20 year anniversary of the first time you and i saw them live for the first time uh, together on the, on the summer sanitarium tour. And I found my old ticket and it's crazy. Um, it was a $75 ticket we paid uh, to see Metallica at Gillette stadium with bands like Lincoln park and limp biscuit and uh, the Deftones and Mudvayne and this giant show headlined by Metallica for $75, which is insane to me now looking back at how inexpensive that is, you know, yeah, absolutely. Because now you look at tickets for right. stadium shows, they're going for at least a couple hundred. Right. For over For sure, you know, and and to think those big bands to play with Metallica on that stage, it's just incredible. Um, so, uh, so if, anyway, we've got a lot to get to, so here we go. Um, Metallica Part 1. So 
before I get to number 10, I'm just going to I'm just going to quickly mention the one I'm leaving off uh, the list completely, which essentially is just ranking it at number 11. And this one for me was the only one that never moved, never wavered. And for me at number 11, I put their debut album, Kill 'Em All. Um, and that was their first album from 1983. And, you know, if you, if you go back and listen to it now, it sounds it sounds different than even the old stuff, even the rest of the 80s albums, but you could certainly hear at least potential. And I, and I feel like in a few of the songs, like The Four Horsemen and No Remorse and Seek and Destroy. So even though it's my least favorite album, you could still hear the potential of what Metallica became. And I, and I assume in 1983, I mean, I was just a very small kid then, but I assume in 1983, not many bands were doing what Metallica was doing um, with this album. So you've at least got to give them respect for that, even though it's my least favorite album. But uh, at number 10, <clears throat> the album I went with was Reload from 1997. It was their seventh album. And so for me, it had three really good songs with The Memory Remains, The Unforgiven Two, and The Devil's Dance. And those were those were my favorite three songs on the album. And um, wasn't really a big fan of Fuel, which is the way the album opened. And then to me, you know, those were the first four songs right there. And then from track five, it was a 13 song album, really from, from track five uh, all the way through really 12, I thought it was just very kind of mediocre. And then um, the final song on the album, Fixer, I do like as well. But um, to me, Reload just did not have nearly enough on it in its entirety to make me be able to rank it any higher than 10. But the, the few songs that I really liked on it, I really do like. Um, and I want to be able to say something good about every Metallica album. I'm not going to say too much negativity about any of them, but um, it did have a few great songs, but you know, unfortunately I just couldn't get this one any higher than number 10. How about you? What, what did you go with for your back, your back two? Okay. Um, so the one that basically ranking 11 off the top 10 lists is I'm putting Death Magnetic in it. Uh, it's a recent, more recent album. Um, but for me, it's, their songs were just kind of chaotic. They're all long and they have a lot of good parts in them. But as songwriting, it feels like there's two different songs in every song and nothing ever stuck out to me. And some of the audio recording wasn't that great in it too. Like, uh, there's a track where you seems like it gets distorted. So that one never really caught my attention, so that's why I'm leaving Death Magnetic there. And for number 10, I put And Justice For All, uh, whereas a couple of songs I like, uh, like I like Blackened and One, uh, but again, the mix kind of makes it hard for me to listen to, because I recently bought higher-end earbuds, and I started with And Justice For All, and it just felt like Lars was just whacking me in the head, right in the forehead with the, with the snare drum in it. And even they said that when they recorded it, it you could tell who mixed it because it was all guitars and all drums. Mm -hmm. And for me, that kind of put a damper on my listening enjoyment of it. But it does have some good songs, like it always has, it has uh, you know, I'm Eye of the Beholder, Eye of the Beholder, um, Harvester of Sorrows, Sorrows pretty good. 
other than that, nothing really piqued my interest for that, and that's why I put Hand Justice for All as my 10. Uh, especially since that was also like the first record that they had Jason Newsted on it after the death of Cliff Burton. So. Right, yeah, and, and, and unfortunately for, uh, for Newstead, um, you couldn't tell a bass player was on the record at all because yeah. there was no bass to the album. And that's kind of how really all their albums sounded in the 80s. But, you know, I, I agree specifically with, um, with Injustice for All. So, um, all right, on to number nine. Number nine. So for number nine, um, I went where you just went uh, with Injustice for All. Um, it was their fourth album from 1988. And, um, you know, I thought it was pretty good all the way through. The song one was, the, of course, their big, big hit single, and uh, and it was their first ever music video. So I think that's why maybe the album, because I was looking into album sales, and this was actually their second highest selling album right behind the Black album. So, um, so that probably helped quite a bit having that big music video on MTV at the time. Blackened, like you said, is a good opening to the album. The title track, Injustice for All, is a good song. Eye of the Beholder, Harvester of Sorrow. There's a lot of good songs on here, and I don't think there's really anything that bad throughout the whole album, but the second half of the album, certainly weaker than the front half. And, um, like you know, things like you already said, there was really no bass to the album. It was very, you know high-pitched and guitar-driven, and um, so, you know, because Metallica it really does have a really good catalog of music all 11 albums through, um, I, I just couldn't get Injustice for All any higher than nine. Um, so, how about you? Uh, I'm going back to the first album. I'm putting Kill Em All at my number nine, where the album starts off pretty strong for me, but it ends uh, kind of slow. Or songs I like, uh, like I like the Four Horsemen. Uh, Seeking Destroy is one of their all-time favorite songs that everyone knows. Uh, I do like that uh, Anastasia pulling teeth is like a bass solo that kind of fits well within the album. So I think that was something that was unique to Metallica, and one of those things that, like you said. They were doing stuff no one else was doing. And to have a bass solo in there that actually worked really well was uh, pretty interesting. But other than that, um, like a lot of but the beginning of the song, beginning tracks are, are pretty good. Uh, I really don't like Phantom Lord. Um, and Metal Militia is not that great for me, but like Hit the Lights and, and uh, Jump in the Fire is pretty good. So it has some good stuff, not, not a lot of great stuff that I really enjoy, but it has some good stuff in there, and that's why I put it at uh, my number nine. Hmm. And even a little bit better than uh, Injustice for All, then, for you. Yeah. Okay. All right, so that's nine. Number eight. So for number eight, um, I'm going with what's, what's a lot of people's favorite Metallica album, uh, and that's Master of Puppets. And um, it was their third album. Uh, from 1986 it's probably the one of the most iconic album covers in all of rock music um and certainly they're one of their most iconic album covers um the first four tracks are great like battery is a great opening to to an album 
the title track master of puppets is a great song the thing that should not be i love that song i've always loved it uh and then you know welcome home sanitarium so it's a great front half to the album um the back half is definitely weaker um but i i do like it better than you know of course injustice for all and kill them all of, of, of those 80s albums but um i just like the I just like the way Metallica was headed once they started to change. So for me, not really being part of, you know, Metallica in the eighties, I can see why the older fans would, would love this and, and, um, you know, rank it much, much higher than that because it's what they first, how they first discovered Metallica, but listening to it after the fact, after I was already a fan, um, it was good, you know, but to me, the, the first four tracks really make it. And, um, you know, a lot of these older albums are really short too, so it's hard to rank an album that only has maybe eight tracks on it versus something newer that has maybe 14. Um, so, but yeah, that's why I went with Master of Puppets way down here at number eight. Um, how about you? Well, I couldn't agree with you anymore because my number eight is also Master of Puppets. Wow, unbelievable. <laughs> and the first time. First time ever. And I agree, the beginning is really good. I like Battery, Master of Puppets, Welcome Home. Uh, I also do like Disposable Hero, Heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good song. Uh, and also like a, a good meaning behind the song. Uh, but then after that, it kind of, it, it kind of lacks. Um, Orion is another one of those solos. But it's just not as... It's kind of uninspiring for that one. Mm-hmm. But I do agree that it, it started off strong. It's a very iconic album. Uh, like this, the three songs, I'm sure they play live every single show. Uh, it's, they're probably most known for this one. So I agree with that. But yeah, it, it starts off good and kind of wavers towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. The number eight album. Master Puppets. Number seven. Now at number seven, I went with their eighth studio album from 2003, Saint Anger. Um, so this is this is kind of a, a polarizing album for a lot of people. It was, you know, Jason Newstead left. They were looking for a new bass player, but they didn't have one yet. So they were, you know, recording the, uh, the album really without a, a full time, you know, James goes to rehab in the middle of it all, the production, of the album, you know, stops and um, they're plus at the same time, they're also trying to create this documentary, you know, called uh, some kind of monster. Um, but and, and originally, when I first heard the first couple of songs like um, Frantic and Saint Anger, I completely dismissed it. I'm like, this is awful. Like, what in the world is this? It sounded just very disjointed and like the, the vocal sounded off and the snare drum, of course, is everybody's complaint. And um, I thought, you know, James kind of sounded out of tune with the singing and all this stuff. But then you know, you watch some kind of monster documentary and, you know, I started to just kind of gain respect, not only for the album, but I mean, just the amount of time and effort it takes to create a song, to create a full album. And then, um, and the lyrics are so introspective, you know, with James and what he's singing about. And I feel like overall, James is kind of like an underrated songwriter overall with, with a lot of his lyrics. But, but I remember when it really changed for me, 
um, was both seeing the the documentary, the Some Kind of Monster documentary, and then when I saw the music video uh, for the Unnamed Feeling, um, that's kind of when it started to change because the Unnamed Feeling video is awesome. It's one of their best ever videos. And then, you know, little by little, I feel like the album overall is an acquired taste. Um, but, um, you know, then, then I started one by one really liking the album. The first song I liked really was The Unnamed Feeling. And then I kind of started liking Dirty Window. And then St. Anger grew on me and Some Kind of Monster and Shoot Me Again. And all these songs started to grow on me. So there is still a few songs on the album that I just don't like at all. But overall, it really grew on me and it was able to work its way all the way up to seven and getting ready for this episode i re-watched the some kind of monster documentary just to remind myself you know and it kind of just made me appreciate it even more so um that's where i went with number seven how about you uh, i went with uh ride the lightning for my number seven uh again another album that has a number of good songs but then after that it kind of it, it lacks interest to me. Like, I like Fight. Fight Fire with Fire is really good. Uh, Melville's Big Black. I also really like Creeping Death. Um, and the Call of the Tools. Uh, um, and again, it's one of those older albums that is not so much my style, so it's, I have to like, really connect to songs and all the other stuff is not is, is not of my interest like I could listen to them but uh the big songs are the ones that like have really grabbed on to me and I like listening to them and that's why I have like this four five songs that I really like on this album but the rest are uh, okay just okay with me that's why I have wide lightning and my number seven yeah and it and it makes sense so you've you know you've already listed all the 80s albums I've already listed three of them and uh you know back then it was it was tough too because like Ride the Lightning is only eight songs long, and it's it's because you know they're they're trying to fit albums onto cassette tapes back then, and you know cassettes held sixty minutes of music, and Metallica's songs are kind of long. So by the time you you're done eight songs, you know you've already filled the cassette tape. And I think later on in the career, just going to CDs when they could put, you know, if they didn't want to have to make like a double album, um, you know, CDs held eighty minutes, so um, you know you could could increase the number of songs you had and, it, and it's hard to rank seven or eight songs on an old album versus like 14 songs on a you know on a newer album if you like the whole thing so yeah that's a very good point because i was looking at the track listings for all these older albums and i, I don't remember which one it was but it was like side a uh, like uh tape or cd or Album one A, album one B, album two A, album yeah. two B. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's crazy. You've got a cassette tape and you're listening to two songs and you've already got to flip it over and listen to the yeah. you know the next two songs. It's crazy <laughs> what the, what those bands had to do back then. But um, but that's what they had to do, and I think that's why later in their career they were able to write longer albums without having to worry about making it a double disc or a double cassette tape. You know, so. Yeah. All right, on to six. Number six. All right, now number six, the final album of this episode, and this this one was the was the one that really gave me the most trouble. Um, I had three albums that were kind of rotating in this spot, and the one that I ended up with 
um, which really surprised me because I love it so much, is Load, um, which is their uh, sixth album from 1996. And this is the one of the first albums I got. It was the first album that came out after I became a fan, and I absolutely loved it. Immediately, it was my favorite Metallica album, and it was my favorite Metallica album for years. Um, you know, I love the, the first half of the album is to me it's epic you know the, the way it starts with ain't my bitch and and the house that jack built and the big singles like until it sleeps and king nothing and hero of the day and bleeding me i love the line in bleeding me when he says uh the thorn in my side is from the tree i planted which i feel like is really uh you know a way of him saying like the damage to me is done by me like you know he's recognizing that he's done all this damage to himself and he's just acknowledging that and i love that line um I love the closing track, The Outlaw Torn. Um, for many, many years, it was my favorite closing track to any Metallica album. And still today, it's my second favorite closing track. We'll get to that in the next episode. But it's my second favorite closing track they've ever done. And the only reason um, I had it at six and not as high as maybe like even two or three is because I feel like the second half of, half of the album is much weaker than the front half. Poor Twisted Me is a good song. Uh, Thorn Within is a good song. The Outlaw Torn is great. But there's just a few songs on that second half that I just really don't like at all. And it was because of that why I couldn't get it any higher than than six. And I couldn't have it jump over any of the albums that I put in my in my top five that we're going to talk about in the next episode. But yeah, I just I just absolutely love Load. And it's and it's too bad. Uh, that I had to put it all the way down here at six. So, what about you? Uh, so I guess we're making history today. Not having, not just having one album at the same ranking, but two because I also put Lou. Wow! Unbelievable! <laughs> Unprecedented! <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you. Like the beginning of the album is really good with all of the songs going back to back to back. Uh, I mean, you could have. Songs that I highlighted that I really like, you can make a whole album up by themselves. Yeah. Um, uh, it did get weaker at the end for me. Um, I do like Wasting My Hate, which is track 10. Uh, but also, like the, the second half, they kind of got more, uh, I guess, twangy mm-hmm. with their kind of bluesy, country esque mm-hmm. style of that ended up being predominant more towards later of this album. Um, but I mean, the beginning, and I think Load, I would say, is probably one of the best vocal vocal interpretations that James Hetfield has done. Like, he really sings really well on this album. And uh, I think it's probably... It, it almost seems like he, he kind of steps up for this level, another level for this album, even though, like at that time, they were still touring. There was a lot of turmoil starting in the band. Uh, I load and reload, but it's like recorded of multiple variations at different times. But I think his vocals on this one is really excellent. The sound is really good and has so many good songs at the beginning. Uh, for me up to like from A my bitch to bleeding me um cure and poor twisted me is okay uh mama said it's not it's not that great 
It doesn't really sound like them. It's an okay song, but again, it doesn't sound like Metallica. Um, but yeah, this is a really good album from the beginning, and they could have had they could have taken a couple of songs out and still had a really good full album for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a fourteen track album, and I feel like if you if they would have made it like a like a ten song album, and just gotten rid of some of those those songs off the second half, you know, it certainly would have been in my top probably my top three. Um, but you know, that's not what happened. So, but yeah, so um, unbelievable. We had two exactly the same. We we ranked a lot of albums the same and. So coming up next, we'll of course be doing their top five albums, and it looks like we have uh, three albums that neither of us have mentioned. We're both going to be in the next episode talking about the uh, the Black Album. We'll both be talking about Hardwired to Self Destruct, and we'll both be talking about the new album, Seventy Two Seasons, which right now is only about a month old, and obviously we both like it a lot. So, um, so that's it for this episode, and uh, we'll come back in a couple of weeks and do the top five. Thanks for listening.